Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we're starting a series called If Only I Had Known, If Only I Had Known. And we're gonna be doing communion at the end of service, so don't leave early. And some of you are already looking at your watch. I know, I'm skipping my first point just for you today. It's a great year to be at Foundation Church. So um, I wanna do this, I wanna welcome, we're starting to get some of our college students back, right? So we wanna welcome our college students back from winter break. We're glad that they're coming back. Should be fully back next week, but we are in a series called If Only I Had Known, and the hope of this series is this, is that I hope we can realize and gain some wisdom and knowledge through this series that we don't come to the place in life that we're saying, if only I had known. Right, that, that we can save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of regret and not saying the phrase, man, if only I had known. And today I wanna talk to you about this. If only I had known Failures and setbacks are a part of life. If only I had known that failures and setbacks are a part of life. Can I just simply let you know the truth and the reality of life is that setbacks and failures are a part of life. No no matter what you do, no matter who you are, all of us are going to experience failures and setbacks, especially if you are going to live the big life God has called you to, it's gonna be riddled with setbacks. It's gonna be riddled with you experiencing failure. In fact, some of my favorite people um, in history and sports experienced failures. My favorite uh, uh, president, one of the college students, uh, Kennedy says I look like him, um, Abraham Lincoln. That's not nice, right? Like. Don't come back to my house. Um, So Abraham Lincoln, in 1832, he lost his job and was defeated for state legislature. I can't even read, much less be president. 1833, neither can Joe Biden though, so I'm still good. Um, 1833, some of you more amen in that than anything else in this sermon. 1833, Lincoln failed in business. In 1835, his fiance died. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he was defeated for Speaker of the House. In 1843, defeated for nomination for Congress. In 1846, he finally had a win. He got elected to Congress. In 1848, he lost his his re-nomination to Congress. In 1849, he was rejected for land officer. What the heck? In 1854, was defeated for the U.S. Senate. In 1856, he was defeated for the nomination for vice president. And in 1858, again, was defeated for the U.S. Senate. That's a lot of losing. In 1860, Abraham Lincoln saw his determination pay off, and he became the president of the United States. One of, if not the greatest president to ever be a president of the United States, only to welcome his presidency in with a civil war, right? Like, that's great. Half the nation hates me now. Um, So it's been happening for a long time. Um, But I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, success is going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. So good. Michael Jordan in his career missed more than 9,000 shots. 
26 times he missed the game-winning shot. He lost close to 300 games, didn't make the high school basketball team his sophomore year. But Michael Jordan went on to win six NBA championships, five MVPs, and was and is the greatest basketball player to ever play. Get out of here with your LeBron James talk. Like, that's nonsense. That's non, it's not even biblical. Um, So, in 2022, Jordan made, just in 2022, made over $250 million just on the sale of Jordan tennis shoes with his Nike contract. Jordan said this, he says, I failed over and over in my life and that's why I have succeeded. Can I tell you, in life, there's gonna be things you don't know how to do them, there's gonna be setbacks even when you do know how to do them, and there's gonna be sometimes you just fall flat on your face in front of everybody. I have a lot of limitations, there's a lot of failures. It's almost as impressive as Abraham Lincoln and Michael Jordan. Um, In my life, there's some things I couldn't do at first, but I kept trying and I have learned. The list is long but distinguished. I couldn't tie my shoes. But I don't go around wearing Velcro shoes, right? I don't go around wearing Skechers slip-ins. And some of you are wearing them and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. You might be old, but there's nothing wrong with wearing Skechers slip-ins. Some of you are hiding your feet right now. Um, I couldn't blow a bubble with gum. But can I tell you, after a lot of big league chew, best bubble gum ever, I, have, I can blow a bubble with the best of them. I could never, ever mow the yard the way my dad exactly wanted it to be mowed, right? Every son feels this right now. And dads, you have a responsibility to make your son feel the same way. Um, I couldn't belch like a man, um, but I'm there. Every guy right here. I couldn't make the fart sound with my armpit. But can I tell you, I'm a maestro now. I mean, I got it. I may have no musical talent, but I can do that with Yes, lingo. Um, I couldn't preach longer than 10 minutes. And some of you are like, well, you cured. You're good now. (laughs) I wasn't even good. Like my first sermon, my first sermon title was Constipated Christians. And I talked about how Jesus was the laxative. That was, that was my first message. And the pastor that invited me was like, oh my Lord, right? 10 minutes of absolute heresy, debauchery. They never asked me back. Um, and, and there's gonna be moments you're dealing with setbacks. You're dealing with the death of a dream and you're like, man, what I'm dreaming I don't see how it's ever gonna become a reality. And today as I'm talking about a dream, I'm not talking about a dream you're dreaming. I'm not talking about, man, I've got a dream and I wanna have a private jet, I wanna have my own yacht and I wanna be a travel blogger, right? Well, that's awesome, but I don't think that's the dream God has implanted and given you as a follower of Christ, right? Today I'm talking about what is the dream God has given you? What is the plan that God has called you to? What is the will of God for your life? And if you don't know that, my prayer is by the end of today, the end of this month, the end of this year, you know God's plan, God's will, God's purpose for your life. And there's gonna be moments, even when you know the will and purpose and calling, because every single one of us here, every single one of us watching online, there is a calling that is on your life that you would step up and you would lean into the calling that God has placed on your life. But even in the 
midst of that calling, even in the midst of doing a good thing and doing a God thing, can I tell you there's gonna be setbacks. There's gonna be failures. And how you deal with those setbacks and failures is how you are going to function through life. Today, our, our text, really our study, is gonna be the life of Moses. And I wanna give you some homework. I wanna invite you to go and read Exodus chapter two through six. And I want you to really study and, stu- and read the study notes of it because there is so much material, so much richness in just the very beginning of Moses' life. But I wanna give you a little bit of an intro into Moses' life so I can skip to our second point. Here's what's going, Justin Graves' version of the Bible. Moses is born, his mama can't keep him because the Egyptians are killing all the male Hebrew babies. So his mama makes a wicker basket. He got, she got it from home goods, threw it in the Nile River and shipped that boy down river. Pharaoh's daughter's out there uh, taking a bath and she sees a bat basket with a baby. And she's like, I got you, baby. And she pulls the baby in and she's like, daddy, I wanna keep this baby. And he's like, Shh, don't tell anybody you can keep the baby. She's like, okay, I'm gonna keep the baby. And so she keeps baby and she calls him Moses and Moses comes and he grows up to be an Egyptian. He is trained as an Egyptian. He is like got the best, best living conditions ever. And he is educated and trained to fight like an Egyptian. However, somewhere along the way, Moses is told you're not an Egyptian. It's like a Maury Povich like show, right? Like who's your real daddy? Um, And they're like, you're an actual Hebrew. And he's like, what? I'm a Hebrew. Yep. You're a Hebrew. So once he finds out he's a Hebrew, one day he's walking around and an Egyptian is beating one of his boys, one of his Hebrew brothers, right? And he's like, you can't do that. And he kills the Egyptian. Well, Pharaoh finds out. He tries to cover him in sand. Everybody finds out, right? Because there's cameras everywhere back in Hebrew days. And so everybody's talking about what Moses did and Pharaoh tries to kill Moses. Moses flees and he runs for his life. He's the number one fugitive wanted from Egypt and he flees to a place in Midian and this is where we pick up. That's the beginning two, two through six almost of Moses' life out of the Justin Gray's version. And if you want more, just let me know and I'll just read the whole Bible in my, my context for you. And Moses is in a place called Midian. And he gets at Midian when he is 40 years old and he doesn't leave till he's 80 years old. And Midian defined in the Hebrew is called this, it is defined as as strife, excuse me. Strife defined, it means conflict. He is literally living in a place of strife and conflict for 40 years. When we read about Moses in Exodus two through six, we're reading about him tending, not his sheep. He doesn't even have money for his own sheep. He's having to tend his father-in-law's sheep. And Egyptians were trained and they were taught to hate shepherding, right? And he is in the middle of nowhere, tending his father's sheep. In the middle of this in Exodus three, he has a holy moment on holy ground we're going to come to in just a little bit. And he is being trained in leading the dumbest animal ever created on this planet, sheep, around for around 40 years. Now, I don't know if most of you know this. My oldest daughter was in FFA for for several years, and she showed sheep. And I hate sheep. Um, Anytime she would go out of town or she needed me to take care of them. There was one in particular, I don't remember its stupid name. I hope it's eaten by this time. 
because you would try to pull it out of its pen and it would just lay down on the ground. And I, I know there was cameras in that, but I'm, I'm pulling this sheep. I am, I am like this close to cussing at it. I'm just like, I'm kicking it. I'm like, some of you are like, you're so mean. No, it was that stupid, right? Like it had, it was getting what had coming to him. And can I tell you, this is Moses. He is leading around the dumbest animals for 40 years. And can I tell you what's happening in the middle of his Midian? He was at a place he didn't want to be, but God was preparing him for what was to come. Some of you, you don't like where you are right now. But can I tell you, if you won't waste it, God won't waste it. Right, you may be like, but, but, but I feel like God has forgotten about me. I don't even know the purpose of this. And I'm really sure it was really hard for Moses to understand the purpose of all the pain and all the embarrassment and all the failures and all the setbacks. And I didn't think my life was gonna look like this, but even when life doesn't look like what you thought it was gonna do, if you won't waste it, God won't either. And he is preparing you for what is to come. And here's what I want us to know. It's our second point is that some of God's greatest works will come out of your biggest setbacks and failures. Some of God's greatest moves of God, some of his biggest miracles will come out of your most embarrassing moments, the moments you feel like the biggest failure. God sends Moses, check this, after the burning bush moment, God sends Moses right back to the place he failed the worst. He sends him back to Egypt. And some of you, you don't wanna to go to your high school reunion because you had a reputation and you've changed since then. This is that on steroids, right? Like Moses doesn't wanna go back because everybody remembers Moses. Everybody remembers what Moses did and had done. And God is sending him right back to the place that he's the most embarrassed to go back to. He's been avoiding the most. And do you know what happens? It gets worse for Moses before it gets better. Think of that. Have you ever stepped into God's plan and his will and his purpose? Like, okay, God, I'm gonna do it your way and things start getting worse before they get better. It says this in Exodus chapter five, verse 19 through 23. Here's what's happened. Moses has approached Pharaoh and he's like, Pharaoh, let the Israelites go into the wilderness to worship the Lord for three days. And Pharaoh's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do it, right? And he's like, because you're whining like such a baby, I'm gonna take away the straw from all the Israelites, but they have to keep making the same bricks. And all of a sudden this gets down to the people, the Israelites that are in charge of making sure all the bricks are getting made. And we pick up there in verse 19 and it says, as the Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told you must not reduce the number of bricks, bricks you make each day. As they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword in their hands and an excuse to kill us. And then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, why have you brought all this trouble on your people, God? Why did you even send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people and you have done nothing to rescue them. There's going to be setbacks and failures and there's gonna be moments you feel like God has abandoned you, but hear me today, don't give up on the dream. Don't give up on the purpose God has called you to. Don't give up on the will that God has put in your life. There's gonna be moments you wanna quit. There's gonna be moments you are so embarrassed. There's gonna be moments people don't believe in you. The very people Moses went to help didn't even believe in Moses. 
Some of you here today, some of you watching online today, you've got people that don't believe in you that you thought they would have your back no matter what. There's some that you are dealing with people talking about you, you are embarrassed and you feel, man, what has my life turned into? But hear me, some of God's greatest moments and his greatest moves and his greatest works and his greatest miracles will be birthed out of the ashes of your failures and your setbacks. Some of us, um, it, it uh, just kind of like occurred to me, for, for most of us here now, um, a lot of us don't know how Foundation Church came, the origin of where Foundation Church came from. We are a 15-year-old church, and Foundation Church got birthed when I got fired from my last job. It's a good time. Um, I was 31 years old. I had two kids. Charlie was two. Chloe wasn't even one, or Charlie was three, somewhere in there. Um, I, I forget the age. I just know this much. We were broke, right? Um, we were so poor that the hospital paid our bills for us. Um, they gave Casey and Chloe free medical care for a year. And the state of Oklahoma, this is how poor we were. How poor were you, Justin? We were so poor, the state of Oklahoma gave us a $2,000 college credit for Chloe because they're like, these people are never sending their kids to school. They got no shot right? I mean, we were broke. And when I lost my job, it is the first job I had ever been fired from. I was embarrassed. I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody or we didn't get our severance package. And hear me, my daddy wasn't rich. We needed the severance package. We would have people knock on our door, call our phones, and we couldn't answer it if we wanted our severance package. So, so here's your pastor I'm embarrassed, I'm a 31-year-old man, embarrassed, I feel like a failure. I'm dealing with a setback. We put our house up for sale on Christmas Eve, not knowing where we're gonna move yet. All I know is we can't afford to keep a house payment because we don't have any income coming in. And Casey asked me, well, what are we gonna do? <laughs> and I remember this moment and I had prayed and can I tell you, there's something about being broken and feeling like a failure and being embarrassed that makes you, you're either gonna draw close to God or you're gonna walk away from him. And can I tell you, the best advice I could give you today is draw near. Draw near to the Lord because his word says, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And in the middle of my brokenness, I got alone and I just like, God, I got, I got to know what your plan is. And he's like, my plan hasn't changed. You're still called to start a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So Casey said, what are we gonna do? I said, we're gonna start a church. She goes, where are we starting a church? I go, we're gonna go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're moving from Edmond to Tulsa to start this church. She goes, with what money? And I'm like, I don't know. I got no money, right? She goes, with what people? I don't know. With what, where are we gonna start this church at? I got no clue. All I know is we're going to Tulsa, babe, right? And we in like the Beverly Hillbillies and drove to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We unpacked a U-Haul and I started working at Starbucks off 96 and Riverside, baby. And this is my apron when I work there. And I went there and I had the five o'clock in the morning shift so that I could work on the church in the afternoon. And I would show up every morning at five in the morning and I was happy to be there, right? Because I needed insurance for my family. And I remember, because I was a youth pastor in Tulsa for about five years, 
there would be people come into the 96 and Riverside Starbucks and they'd be like, Justin, what are you doing here? Well, I'm getting ready to start a church. And they gave me the look that you've given to somebody like, okay, dokey, right? Like the, the wheels have come off. What kind of loser is this guy? And they would do this because you're not gonna say, oh, whatever, you're a loser. This is the Christian way that we say, oh, bless your heart, right? I'll bless your heart, I'll be praying for you. That's like, please don't talk to me about your church because I don't wanna give you money, right? And I remember one lady told me this and it, it stuck out. Well, I'm just gonna be praying for your little church. And I wanted to hit her in the face. It's like, pray for my little church. I pray for your little church, right? When you started it, it's bigger than yours, right? And I'm just like, I was so angry. Can I tell you, it wasn't glorious. I thought this, I thought this job at Starbucks was gonna be awesome. You know what I did a lot of? I was a new guy. I cleaned bathrooms every day. I took trash out every day. I'm 31 years old and I've got 18 year olds trying to instill leadership principles into me and I'm like, yep, yep, that sounds good. Yeah, you sure know a lot. You haven't even graduated high school, right? It was so humiliating. It was, so, man, I felt like the biggest failure. I, I and it, the truth is, I wanna be like, God, I'm trying to do your thing. This isn't my thing, this is what you've called me to. And yet I had a choice. Either I can sulk and I can pout about what had happened in my life or I could be faithful making coffee and I could do cleaning bathrooms the best that I could. Because can I tell you, if you're not willing to clean a bathroom as good as you can when nobody's looking, you're not gonna own the stage when everybody's looking, right? If you're not being willing to be prepared in your Midian, when it comes time to go to Egypt, you're not gonna be ready because you skipped the preparation because you thought you were destined for more than that. But can I tell you, man, I've seen it with my own eyes. God's greatest miracles, God's greatest works so many times come out of your failures, your embarrassments, and your setbacks. And I'm sitting here going, man, look what God has done. This has nothing to do with Justin. All I did was stay obedient and kept following God's plan even though there were setbacks and failures. And if God did it for this guy, can I tell you, he'll do it for you. It's gonna look different, it's gonna feel different, but don't give up on the dream because God's greatest Man, God's greatest works and his greatest miracles will come out of your setbacks and failures if you don't quit, if you don't give up. But here's where a lot of us are. We get frustrated because we were expecting it to happen faster. But keep being obedient to God's will even if you were expecting less problems and faster results. Keep being obedient to God's will even if you were expecting less problems and faster results. Exodus chapter six says this, so Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They'd become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. And then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. But Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm such a clumsy speaker. And if I'm Moses, I feel so embarrassed. If I'm Moses, I feel so limited. And if I'm Moses, I expected it to happen quicker with a whole lot less problems. After the first plague is sent, I'm thinking, okay, God, now we're cooking, right? Now, now we got something going here. And Pharaoh's like, nope. Second, third plague, okay, surely, surely, nope. It takes 10 plagues, 10 moves of God, 
And Pharaoh still doesn't let him go and tell the 10th one that it takes his son being killed. And then he's like, you know what? I'm done. And if I'm Moses, I want to give up after the seventh one, after the eighth one. But he kept staying obedient through his setbacks and what he viewed as his failures. And can I just encourage you today, man, stay obedient to God's will through the setbacks and through the failures. Stay obedient even though you're dealing with more problems and you're dealing with more people gossiping and more people not believing in you and more people talking about you and more people criticizing you. Can I tell you, there's always gonna be critics, there's always gonna be rumors, there's always gonna be gossips and you can slow down and listen to them or you can run in with purpose in every step like Paul instructed us to. Run your race to win and you can't run listening to all the noise that everybody is saying about you. You will not step into God's plan and his purpose if you're trying to please everybody else instead of him. Stay obedient to the one who's called you, who has placed his will and purpose and plan in your life and stay obedient even when it's hard and even when you're dealing with more problems and you thought it would happen faster because you gotta do this. Because if there's nothing else you do, you got to, you got to, you got to. It's our third point, you gotta have a holy, you gotta get on holy ground before you take new ground. Man, you gotta get on holy ground before you take new ground. Moses experienced a life-changing moment in Exodus three with the burning bush. It's at this burning bush moment that God tells Moses to take his sandals off because he's standing on holy ground and God imparts his will, his purpose, his plan for Moses' life. <coughs> Moses is 80 years old when he goes back to Egypt. And some of you, maybe you're here and you're sitting here and you're watching at home on your lazy boy under your blanket and you're like, well, I've missed my window of opportunity because I'm 80 years old. Moses didn't. It's never too late to step into God's will and purpose for your life. There's no expiration on his will. And some of us were sitting there going, well, and you can either keep making excuses or this morning you can have a holy moment somewhere. You can have a holy moment and turn your seat, turn your house, turn this place into holy ground. Will you hear what God wants for you? Can I tell you, man, God's got a plan for you. He's got a will and a purpose for you. He's got a calling for you at home. And what is that plan? And, and refuse to leave until you know what that plan is. Until you know what that will is. Until you know what that purpose is. How do you find that? You get onto holy ground and have a holy moment before you start trying to take new ground that you've never been on. Because if you don't do that, if you don't have this holy moment that changes your life, you'll quit at the first obstacle. You'll quit at the first setback. The first failure, you'll be like, you know what? This must not have been God. This was me. No, no, no. The only thing that kept Moses coming back was that he knew he was called because he had a holy moment. Paul, the reason he could endure shipwrecks and he could endure beatings and people stoning him and running him out of town and whipping him and being bit by a snake, get out of here, right? Like, like all these different things, the, the apostles didn't like him, the religious people didn't like him, the unreligious people didn't like him. The only reason he could keep coming back and keep going into city after city and enduring hardship after hardship and writing letters to encourage the church 
church, letter after letter after letter is because he had a moment in Acts chapter nine where he was on the road to Damascus and he got knocked off his horse and God had a holy moment with him right on that road. And it kept him going back and back and back. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter four, eight through nine. He says, we often suffer, but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up in times of trouble. God is with us, and when we are knocked down, we get up again. I'm closing with this. What an amazing scripture. When we get knocked down, we get back up. We often suffer, we are never crushed, even when we don't know what to do, and maybe that's where you're at today. You don't even know what to do. Don't give up. God is with us, and when we're knocked down, we get up again. Can I tell you, today is your Sunday to get up. There's gonna be moments that knock you back and knock you down, but get back up. You may be embarrassed this morning. You may hardly be able to show your face because your failure was private or it was public. But can I tell you this morning, get back up. You may be confused and hurt and wounded and you don't know why God let you go through this. Get back up. You may wonder, how did your life end up here? But get up again. You may have experienced less problems and faster results, but get up again. You may be dealing with setback right now, but dust yourself off and get up. People may be talking about you. Get up. People may not believe in you, but keep getting up. The reality may look nothing like the dream and you may not want, know what to do. Just don't give up because the word of God says this. If God is for us, who can be against? It doesn't matter who's against you. If God's for you and he's called you to it, right? And this morning, if you're dealing with failure, you're dealing with setback, can I tell you, you're at a great place because some of God's greatest works come out of your biggest setbacks and your most public failures. So lean in instead of pull away because what seems like your setback is God's greatest setup for your life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we just stop and we pause and God, I pray right now, this would be a holy moment where we're, when we're dealing with setbacks and we're dealing with failures, the Lord, there would be something that grounds us, something that shapes us and defines us bigger than a failure, bigger than a setback, bigger than a rumor, bigger than the embarrassment. And Lord, that is your plan and your will and your purpose for our life. And so I pray for every person from teenager to people that are in their 90s. The Lord, we would realize we haven't missed our window of opportunity. We haven't failed too much. We haven't messed up too much. There's not too many setbacks that we're dealing with that you can't still do your plan, your purpose through our life. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would stay obedient to your will. For that person today that doesn't know what your will is, God, I pray that they would have a holy moment on holy ground because so many times we try to take new ground before we get on holy ground. Lord, I pray today that you would change us. Every man and woman in this place, that you would change us and we would just have this holy moment with you. That we know your calling, we know your purpose and your plan for us. But Lord, I pray for that person today it's dealing with setbacks. It's dealing with failures. Let them get back up. Let them keep trusting. Let them keep obeying. And let them keep believing that, God, you're still with them. You're still for them. And if you're before us, 
And it doesn't matter what we're against or who's against us. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.